You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. I am Erin Thomas, and I am here with my dear friend, Chelsea Whipple. Hi. Hello. We are so glad to be together today and um, unpack this a little bit more with you all. For the last couple of episodes, we have discussed a little bit. If you have not listened to those, I would highly recommend it. We share a little bit about how we started in this journey of contemplative motherhood. And over the next few episodes, we are going to discuss some of our practices. Today, we have chosen to highlight the practice moments of stillness. Stillness in general as a practice And all the mothers laugh in the background, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're still when we sleep, right? That works. We are, yes. Or we're thinking, how in the world can we be still if our children are never still? Um, And so this is something I think is going to be pretty a pivotal conversation for us and and how we can do this practically. So, um, Chelsea, you are sort of our... Uh, expert in this area right now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> We're going to go with that. Okay. Um, but Chelsea has done an amazing job of sort of breaking this down for us. And I think we can sort of start with the basics of what the stillness practice is. So um, in reality, is motherhood and stillness an oxymoron? <laughs> right? Yes, that's a great lead-off question. Great way to frame the conversation that we're about to have, yes. And if not, if it's not an oxymoron, how can we uncover those moments of awareness of God's presence and the feelings of calmness? Yeah, I think um, before I really dive in, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about my life and how I can start to see glimpses of stillness and start to uncover those moments of stillness and then expound upon um, using this as a contemplative practice. Because as we know, and if you're not, if you're still unsure what is contemplative practices, you know, there's traditional ones that you can read about in practice that Erin and I do. And there's ones like these that just... A practice is whatever external act that you do that raises your awareness of the of a, a divine presence within you. Exactly. And so in the context of motherhood, we don't have the luxury of a cloistered area or time. Monastery. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's just... Um, what we believe is probably not actually true, but what we think as a way to uncover these moments because we have endless amounts of time. And, you know, in motherhood, we don't have endless amounts of times to ourselves. So how do we do that in the context of the busyness of our lives? So that's kind of just to frame us a little bit. So if you are like me, 
I can feel that the moment that I am aware of my awakeness, I step into my beautiful chaos. And you will hear me say this a lot because I uh, define motherhood as beautiful chaos. And when I wake up, there is no quiet time. All the boys are awake with me. Everyone needs something before I can even open up my eyes. Someone wants cereal. I always have someone crying. Someone else has woke up in a grumpy mood. And there's not really even that chance for a calming breath or a sense of peace before the sun rises or even that deep, awake breath with a stretch. So I'm really thrust into the beginning of the day, whether I'm ready for it or not. And often those days feel like a rhythm where everyone constantly needs something, including myself, at every minute of the day. And so just take a minute and think, how often does this happen in your household? How often do your days start like this? Where you're just thinking that this beautiful chaos has now turned into the terrible, cranky, go back to bed and start all over. Right. Isn't it that children's book, Chelsea? Have you heard that one? Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very, very bad, bad day. day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are just like, just restart. Can we just speed the day up? Let's right, sleep exactly. This. Let's sleep this and do this again kind of a thing. You know, from the first moments that you're awake. And, you know, that's not reality. So if I can't find this peace and calm within, then I can't express it outward to the world. So what is it that I can do in those situations? Where do I find this stillness? And for me, it brings back, it harkens back to this awareness word. And at those moments of just chaos, recognizing and acknowledging the day as it is currently unfolding. So just taking a moment, thinking, wow, this is a lot to take in right now. And I'm not even fully awake right now. And if it starts off this hectic, then stop and acknowledge. That's kind of where you can do your restart. Be aware of what is surrounding you. It's taking the time to just notice my surroundings. Has the sun risen? You know, has it, what's the weather today? Counting my breath, just taking five seconds. If you're a big Daniel Tiger fan, he <laughs> counts a lot when he's upset or mad or needs a restart. And let me tell you, as parents, that is a great lesson to learn. It's just count, taking the time to count your breath and be aware of the breath that's coming in and out and feeling that inward motion and that outward motion and how it makes your body feel. You know, maybe saying a mantra or setting an intention for the day taking a drink of water or coffee and kind of feeling the sensation as it enters into your body and the sensation that you have when you swallow. For me, it can be just kind of staring at my boy's eyes as I listen attentively to them. So throughout the day, even if it's not hectic or chaotic, but we find stillness by what is happening around us and to be present to what is happening around us. So another practice 
to find stillness for me is when my boys keep interrupting, you know, I'm trying to balance working from home right now. And they love to interrupt when I'm doing a big task. And it automatically leads to an annoyance right there. Um, But when I stop and just stare at their eyes and just listen as they talk, there's something that's happening that just slows, not necessarily time down, but just makes my body still and makes me present to the moment of what is happening with them and with myself right now. And then, you know, that's kind of when everything starts to change, that viewpoint when everything starts to change, when you just take out those glimpses and sit in them for a while. And it's like you can now breathe in this peace that was just created by you stopping and being aware of what was happening around you. And sometimes this happens more often than not, but when I take a moment to look at my surroundings and realize that I was just not really present at the moment and kind of out in the world doing or, you know, whatever I was trying to get accomplished, is that usually when I become aware of what's happening, it's like I I let out a small laugh, like, oh, yeah, hello, I'm here. This is what's happening right now in my little world, you know, and it's just that anchoring. Mm -hmm. So one of the big practices of how I find the stillness is stopping and eating a meal. So for example, when my kids eat, normally I am the one making their meal and stopping and taking and making myself food, which doesn't always happen, and sitting down with them to eat, which sounds so simple, but I wonder how often do we do that right. out of the th- possibly the two or three meals that you have at home with your kids, with your family, how often do we sit all together and eat a meal? And so when I do those and I slow down enough, you know, I can even have a conversation with God, stopping to think you know, what is it you want me to see today of what's already happened oh, and what is currently happening? You know, how can I be more aware of your presence? And stopping to listen, you know, those small questions, whether answered or not, start to open my spirit up to how I can be the loving and accepting presence that I desire to be. I love that. I really do. I, you know, you used one of my favorite words in sharing about that practice. Um, I love the word anchor. Um, we think of what our what an anchor does as a function. You know, on a boat, it roots, it grounds, it places us, um, allows a recenter. So um, it's a it's a favorite of mine. You know how I love the language. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do yes. you find so within that context of anchors? Do you find that there are certain anchors in your day that allow you to recenter if it tends to be a day of quote unquote unfortunate events, right? Or Alexander's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yeah. How do we redeem these situations, right? And if so, can you share some of those anchors with us? 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Erin, for the question. That's a really good way to dive deeper into this practice is centering it around what are those anchor points that we can find stillness in. Um, So my spiritual director is actually the one who asked me this question about what are my anchors throughout the day as I had rambled on how chaotic my days could be to her and normally were. And she asked a very important question that stopped me in my tracks. She just simply asked, what is one thing you do every day where you are not distracted by something else? And I want everyone to think of this because I literally sat in silence for 10 minutes. She did not talk or anything. Right. She wanted me to to really think and listen almost to what the divine was almost saying. You know, what is one thing you do every day where you are not distracted by something else? And I couldn't think of anything. I never, I I was never able to come up with anything. And so she actually gave me this suggestion of using eating times because one, we do them every day. We do them three to four times a day for me or more depending (laughs) on the day. (laughs) And just, she said, just stop and sit, eat and observe. Try to not have any internal chatter. Don't read something. Don't look at your phone. Don't watch TV. No multitasking. Yeah. Don't do another task. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, let me tell you. And just if other people are present, have a conversation with them. If not, just notice, you know, notice the taste of every bite. Notice the smell of the meal. Notice the hunger pains going away. Notice the sip of your drink. Notice the sounds of chewing. Notice the sight of the food. You know, just these simple noticing practices. And this simple exercise is where I have found my stillness and allowed me to orient myself back into the presence of the eternal one. You know, when I stop and notice what is presently in front of me, then I notice his presence. I don't usually have a conversation with the divine. Sometimes something peaks up. Sometimes I ask those questions that I asked earlier, but just kind of soaking in the quiet, noticing the day. Now, I have tried to kind of expand this exercise. So when my day feels rushed, and I am out of sync, then I look to what what it is can ground me. What's around me? What do I need to do that can start to ground me? Whether it's eating again or <laughs> going outside, noticing my senses to what surrounds me, stopping and just watching the boys play, interact with each other, even doing a chore and soaking in the senses that way. You know, and it's a profoundly simple impact that keeps my awareness on the present moment and not on what still needs to get done that day. I very try hard not to get that to-do list out of my head. You know, I do work full time, primarily out of the home 
typically. So these situations are ones that I find myself most often when I'm with my kids. But, you know, work can present different types of chaos throughout the day. Um, Different deadlines to meet, different situations that come up that need immediacy. And so in those situations, I do use some of those same techniques, especially during intentional break times. So breaks for me are taken when I can and are not scheduled. So I find kind of myself taking those intentional breaks where I do these types of check-ins. So I would like, okay, can you hear this little precious little child of mine? So this is my middle child. We are inviting. Yeah. So to make the podcast more real. Um, yeah, so we to make have them, a friend today. We do. And so to make the podcast <laughs> more real, we should always at least have one time that we're interrupted by our children. I mean, so. I think it's just natural. Yes, um, yes. You yes. know, and Chelsea, it's funny. You're talking about having stillness and trying to find moments of stillness throughout your day as we are just living the reality of what it's like to record a podcast and find a moment of stillness for working or whatever when we're in the midst of parenting and and that's just the Mm -hmm. reality of it um Mm -hmm. you know i think you you've done a really good job for me of sort of sharing how you do this practically and that's one of the things that i wanted to emphasize um kind of giving you feedback on this um you know i have to admit that i struggle with this practice a lot um i have a lot of internal chatter (laughs) And (laughs) sometimes we have external chatter, right, with children, and sometimes we have internal chatter. Um, But these are really important practical steps to having these intentional breaks and check-ins. And as a result, for me, I've had to be more intentional about specifically what stillness looks like, giving myself more of a working definition. If possible, we need to redefine it Um, as seasons go by. For example, if you've worked from home and you're able to take an intentional break or you're not able to take an intentional break, you're working from home with children. A lot of us have sort of been thrusted into different types of situations that require us to redefine and create a working definition of what stillness looks like um, and allowing it to take root in our everyday practice. Um, And you've given a wonderful definition of practical and logistical characteristics of what stillness is. Uh, I really appreciate that your spiritual director took the time to point out that there are natural anchors in your day. Um, That's really important, I think, to sort of notice. We we don't always notice the ebb and flow of our day um, because it tends to change when we're uh, mothers. And so, Um, eating perhaps is part of that rhythm. And, you know, that's one of my favorite words, rhythm and and noticing where the natural ebbs and flows are in your day. Eating just happens to be one of those times in which you can intentionally sit down. And even if it's as simple as noticing drinking and eating and providing your body nourishment, Um, I think to add to that concept, it's important for us to take a self-inventory and sort of flesh out what a typical day looks like for you. 
And, and for myself, it's sort of to see if there is margin. Where is my margin? If there isn't margin, is there a time period in which I can intentionally place an anchor? Um, you know, that, that, that's just realistic motherhood right there is, is there a place that I can intentionally place an anchor for stillness? So if I'm doing a bit of self-inventory, I, I know that I'm not great with being passive or slowing down. I tend to be a, what do they say? A Martha personality per se. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Again, you know, whatever that looks like for you, that also depends on our personality types. So since I know by doing a self-inventory that I'm not great with being passive or slowing down, this is more of an intentional practice for me. So knowing this about myself doesn't necessarily mean that it has to change who you are, um, but I allow God to show me areas in which this is absolutely possible for me Um, or you know, maybe perhaps you bounce this idea off of your your partner and you discuss ways um, where there are ebbs and flows in your schedule, um, but making it an intentional practice and working through those logistical characteristics are really important. Um, I think for me, a lot of working through the contemplative motherhood lifestyle happens when those subtle moments of intentional practice build up over time. And then, as a result, they flow easily into other areas of my life. I think if we keep this mentality, then the practices, as well as the lifestyle of contemplative motherhood, feels more doable and it feels less overwhelming. You know, we can often build up these grandiose things in our head of what stillness looks like. I need to be able to leave my home. I need to be able to go to a yoga class. I need to be able to, you know, do A, B, or C, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like for you. Or um, complete silence. Right. Complete silence, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so looking for those subtle moments of intentional practice, they begin to build up over time. And, and that's really important to notice. Um, I've learned that I'm an environment person. Uh, some of us have our different things that we're drawn to. Um, I'm drawn to aesthetics and I'm greatly distracted by both mental and physical clutter. And so that's a whole different can of worms to unpack about our personalities and and our practices later at another time. But simply knowing this about myself helps me to be self-aware of any blocks or hindrances to be able to implement this practice like stillness, for example. I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but my house does not always tend to be the cleanest. <laughs> right? Like, I, yeah. I my, my being neighbor. an aesthetic person, you know, and having young children, those can feel counterintuitive, <laughs> like counterproductive, whatever. <laughs> Both of them, actually. Um, And so, for example, I have really a hard time practicing stillness in certain rooms of my home. I know that about myself. So, and specifically in rooms of my home that tend to be a hub for activity, right? So, I couldn't necessarily practice stillness. I know this about myself in my kitchen, 
that's just not a place I can really always do this. Um, and that's my personal application. That may not be true for you. Perhaps you love to cook and that's a great moment of stillness for you. You're stirring your pot and you're taking a moment of intentional stillness. Um, but knowing this about myself, um, I simply seek to find a way to practice this within the cohesion of my personality. So understanding this about me I learned to embrace it rather than to fight against it. Um, And so that's something to just kind of think about uh, when you're doing a self-inventory. At the beginning, this is kind of a funny story, but at the beginning of the practice of stillness, obviously knowing that environment was key for me. um, I also tend to enjoy interior design, things of that nature. And um, I had decided within myself and – just felt the inner spirit just confirmed to me that I needed a chair. Okay. Like this was, this was just an object I fixated on. I needed a chair and I realize how ridiculous that sounds. Okay. But it was the image of a simple gray, comfortable chair that felt like a piece to a puzzle and the practice of my stillness. So I found this chair. It's an inexpensive recliner with clean lines for those who like the aesthetics. And there was, to me, a cozy element to this chair that awakened a stillness and peaceful spirit for me. After moving this chair in various parts of my house, this sort of encompasses my journey towards the practice of stillness, I found the perfect spot in the corner of my bedroom overlooking my backyard, which happens to sit on the backdrop of the salt marsh. And by placing this chair in this particular spot, knowing and setting its purpose for stillness, I began to share this concept with my children, right? So this is sort of a natural ebb and flow that happens for us. When we're doing these practices, they're going to see us doing this. And we began to share this. And they now know that this chair is sort of a thing for mom, right? (laughs) It sounds absolutely um, just silly when I say it out loud, but in reality, that chair was an anchoring spot for me. Um, And I found that soon after I began to sit a few minutes of stillness every day, hopefully two to three times a day, it doesn't have to be long periods of time, my children then observed this as part of their day. And they began to create cozy nooks of pillows by window in their playroom calling their chair their quiet time chair, just like I call mine. And they know this is a place of quiet spiritual listening for me. We've talked about it. And so they've learned to accommodate this. That's not to say that, granted, our younger ones can always do this, right? Or even that our older ones will even (laughs) respect that time at every sense of the day, right? But the fact that they notice that this is a moment of anchoring, of stillness. Um, And they notice that this is something I talk about. They also notice the quiet listening that I talk to them about for um, peace and the spirit that comes from me as a result. You know, are they quiet every time I'm in the chair? Let's be honest, guys. No. Like, that's a perfect scenario. And that just doesn't happen okay (laughs) do they talk softer to you 
They have. Yeah, I've found my kids are that. like, they'll slowly talk to me. Like if I'm just soft and still with my words, right. then it's okay. <laughs> right. And, and and that's true. I really think, you know, our demeanor and our um, body awareness, our body um, body language, how we are talking, all of this creates the environment and the atmosphere that they know that this is intentional. And this is a time that I'm using to care for my spirit, but also in a way I am showing them that you can also care for your spirit and your body um, just like mommy does. So, you know, circling back sort of to this working definition, I now know this about myself that by designating a spot in this chair, deciding on my time frame and appealing to my personal makeup of being drawn to aesthetics, I'm able to implement the practice of stillness with God as part of my day. And this bleed over part happens, right? Even if if I haven't sat in the chair where certain grounding happens for me and a listening stance sort of happens, <laughs> for lack of a better word, then I feel like I'm missing something. Do I make modifications? Absolutely. For example, let's just be honest. I do not travel with my gray chair, okay? I don't put my gray chair in my trunk um, when we're going to a baseball game. <laughs> but I do find a cozy nook specifically for sitting in stillness with the spirit. And as a result, it's a special time of quieting my mind, my will, my emotions, and aligning them to intentionally listen for the divine. Oh, Aaron, I appreciate how you pointed out the environment around stillness. You know, I talked about kind mm -hmm. of an anchor and interior stillness and, you know, the physical environment that can kind of be conducive to that stillness. And so asking, you know, where are those places in our physical environment that helps us that bring us naturally into the state of stillness. You know, I, I've never thought about that, <laughs> but, you know, resting on that thought, because when you're talking about this gray chair, I kept thinking like, where, where do I find that in my house? Um, you know, it brings me to the idea that there are natural places that I bring myself to when I need a moment of stillness. i never been aware that I do that. And I don't have this perfect chair, um, but your chair sounds absolutely lovely. <laughs> you know, so I kind of drift towards the couch or on my bed that happened to be right next to the windows where I can feel that physical warmth of the sun that beams through. And to me, that is another anchor point, mm. you know, maybe not one that happens at certain moments of the day, you know, but it's all about finding those anchor places that brings you into the stillness of the divine's presence. You know, whether that's finding a grounding when you're doing chores or you're just stopping to listen to a bird or you're sitting in that stillness place of your house um, or you're taking a moment to drink water or setting an intentional time aside for yourself. So just lovely, just lovely. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded of all the religious traditions out there that have those morning, midday, 
and evening prayers or meditations. Absolutely. Yeah. These ancient ones, they knew what they were doing when they set aside specifically points in your day to stop what you're doing and become still and be in that presence, that awareness of the presence of the divine. So I am almost, I'm feeling pretty still right now. What about you, Erin? I mean, I'm feeling pretty still. I am. Yeah. (laughs) Internally, for sure. So as this we has can... been such a great conversation. I yeah. just wanted to say that because I think that as for those of you who are new listeners, it, this can be an intimidating thing, right? Stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope as you've listened throughout this episode, you have thought about your anchors. You've thought about the ebb and flow of your days. You have thought about your environment, you have thought about your, maybe you already have practices that you are doing. Um, But I hope this encourages you to sort of embrace the idea and the practice of stillness and how that will work for you. Um, I personally have been really encouraged by my friend who's given me some great practical ideas. So thanks, Chels. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, And I think Yeah, just inviting everyone listening to think about those anchoring points. And, you know, right now, just being aware of your surroundings and what are you doing as you listen? You know, where are you? Are you at home? Are you at work? Are you in the car? You know, what surrounds you? Do you have kids constantly interrupting you, asking you, you know, feel free to put us on pause listen to them, you know, what they're asking, um, looking into their eyes. I love the eyes. I'm a big eyes person. Yes. You know, the windows to the soul. Yeah. So as we end today to try to kind of end with a practice of stillness, I have, although you can't see it, is this lovely singing bowl. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and to honor what the singing bowl and the tradition it comes out of is the singing bowl is typically from the Himalayan region. And it's really an ancient practice. You'll find it most often in Buddhism that opens and closes a meditation. And there's a lot more to the singing singing bowls than just the sounds that you hear. They have a very important sound as well. Um, So feel free to read more about that. But I am going to chime our singing bowl three times. So when you hear the sounds and the chimes, Just start breathing, start noticing, start being aware of what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what your touch, taste, all those senses. So here we go. And the quote I'm going to end today is from Rumi. And Rumi is a 13th century Sufi mystic poet from Persia. And in one of his poems, he says, Let the water settle and you will see the moon 
in the stars mirrored in your own being. That's beautiful. It is. Finding your inner stillness. All right, friends. Until next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you again for joining us today on the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your hosts, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.